It's oh, Thursday, God. February 23rd. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, the show that brings you delicious tech news, very timely delicious tech news, and all the hot takes you can handle. It's episode Regular 284. Too. That was a joke because we've been off for a month. We still love you. <laughs> and with us on the show today is Paul Brarin of Tinkertry.com infamy. How's everyone doing? Has it only been a month? Is it yeah, really? yeah, it's only it been a longer. month. It oh, feels God. like and longer of course i did have like my legs chopped off in surgery during that time frame and was busy with work but uh you know only a month doesn't seem too bad we're back though uh, and doing well the legs work sort of nice it's good to hear yeah paul welcome to the show (laughs) thank you i saw those pictures uh of you russ i would like to hear more about your legs or what's there or not? Uh, just, you know, glad you're getting, okay. Getting old and and playing men's league softball apparently just breaks you. Your your bones just break. So <laughs> oh, I don't know. It's just it just is what it is. But we're moving forward. Okay, moving forward. Um, let's look up today in tech history, or do we need to get straight to the? No, we're gonna look up Ooh, today in tech oh. history. Let's spend some time. Cool. Uh, February twenty third is the date. First mobile phone virus. The discovery of the first mobile phone virus, Kabir, Kaber, how would you say that? C-A-B-I-R, is announced. Specifically, it's a worm which infects phones running the Symbian OS. Whenever an infected phone is activated, the message Karibe, which is not spelled the same as the name of the virus. Why is that? Is displayed. I don't know. Infected (laughs) phones also attempt to spread the virus through Bluetooth signals. Ooh, what year do you think this was? 1990. Hmm. That's it? Like 1990? I said 1998. <laughs> oh, oh, eight. I thought oh, you just trailed off. I thought that was a weird, like, just you kind of... 1990s? Could have been any of the 90s? Oh, jeez. Symbian OS. Um I don't even know what Symbian OS Bluetooth is. Was, I remember that. I don't remember much about it, but I remember it being a thing. Um, I, I mean, 98 actually seems reasonable, but I'm going to go a little earlier, like 96. Okay, like Paul, what you Bluetooth. got? I'll go slightly later in 99. I'm trying to remember the rise of Bluetooth and what phone That's I was great. carrying around. Say right? what you I remember going to a thing where Ericsson presented Bluetooth like 1.0 while I was in high school, so it could have been like early 2000s. 99 is probably a pretty good guess. and uh, But I can't remember for like 1.0 if it was just early, but I remember they were like, it's the future of all communications technology. And I, I feel sad now that they kind of yeah. were right. Well, I'll tell you, Bluetooth <laughs> 1.0 Bluetooth is irritating. Specs, yeah, so 1.0 specs were released in 99. And then the tech first av- appeared in mobile phones and desktop computers in 2000. And then this Ooh. virus was in 2005. Oh, Paul. It's funny because telling the story about going to the thing where Erickson said it made me realize it was actually later than I thought it was. And I knew my guess was bad immediately when those words came out of my mouth. <laughs> Thanks for that brain. Okay. I got another one for you. This one is before 2005. Um, Radio gets controlled. This is a U.S. government thing. So the Radio Act of 1927 is signed into law. The act creates the Federal Radio Commission, which will later be replaced by the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission. Ironically, the act claims to recognize broadcasters' right to free speech, yet the Federal Radio Commission solely controls allocation of licensing, frequencies, transmitter power, and broadcasting hours. Doesn't exactly sound like free speech to me, but hey, I'm sort of prickly like that. Commentary there from uh, thisdayintechhistory.com. What um, what year do you think that is? This is, sorry, to be specific, this is the Radio Act that was first signed into law that later became the FCC. Uh, 1936. 1936, okay. 36? I was going to say 32, so I'm sticking with it. But I should have done twenties because everything's from the twenties. Remember, <laughs> all of it. Yes. But I'm nineteen thirty. I guess that that's a kind of a cheat going third both times. Sorry about that. But nineteen thirty. No, it's I, what I, the guests it's, it's what the guests get to do. Uh, so it was nineteen twenty seven. <laughs> Paul, you win again. Yes, it was the twenties. Do it. <laughs> a terrible that's way. Twice to win. now. It's twice. It's I just 
thinking through it out loud. Boom, the answer's right there. It's too late. I've already cast my vote. Uh, make me go first next time. <laughs> that was mean. That's <laughs> uh, a total guess. But anyhow, just, thank you. Good you know, if I don't go with the first thing that comes to my mind, then it's just going to get all jumbled and I'll, I'll end up like Tyler. I'll start asking questions <laughs> that are unnecessary. It's just, that's just not good. That's how you get to all the right answers. All right, last one I'll yeah. ask you. This isn't you lost this point. isn't a this day in, in tech history, <laughs> sure but it, it springboards off the radio there, though. Do you know when the existence of radio waves was proved? What we just go with a decade. They proved it. What do you mean? Proved? Gosh. Yeah, well, we didn't. Yeah, like the, we didn't invent radio waves. We know, you know this, 1860. right? 1860. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was proved. It was detected. We didn't invent them. Oh. Well, no kidding. All kinds of stuff emits radio waves. Exactly. That's uh, my like, point. Like distant stars. Um, I don't know. Hey, gosh. 1882. Okay, Paul. Late. 1860. I don't know. Yeah, there you go, Tyler. 1880s. 1886, right. I think, is when Heinrich Hertz did the experiment. Oh, Hertz did it. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You're telling me that Paul won two of these, and then he agreed with me on the year. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which which is a huge mistake because you were so wrong both of the first times that it I like why? <laughs> that's true. I was third. The other <laughs> Thanks for making me tied for second, by the way. <laughs> it was an improvement. Oh man. Okay. Let's um Oh, okay. So we're going to have an EV focused show today. Is that the thing? Is that the plan? Oh, if you want, or, or houses. Or <laughs> yeah, whatever. man. Catch me up. Catch me up. I, Do um, we have I anyone on been... here that knows anything about EV? Or... <laughs> right. <laughs> Paul, I actually mentioned you to a buddy last week. Um, I spent the week um, hanging out with a friend that had that just bought a Model Y. Uh, uh-huh. So it was fun hanging out in that one. But Did he, uh, do, he or she do charging at home or? Uh, he, yeah, he actually charges at an RV park, uh, where he lives, but he picked it up in Denver and then had the fun experience of driving it all the way to Baton Rouge, Louisiana in two days. So right. having it navigate from supercharger to supercharger. So I learned so, a lot about how the battery conditioning works and how it'll plan to take it up to some certain level and then not run it all the way down and just, you know, how it wants to, to treat the battery for longevity. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. Treat the battery yeah, the way it likes to be treated. That's right. So when you said fun, was that in air quotes? We don't have video here, but or are you being serious? Like that, did it go smoothly? No, no, no. It was no, it was fun to learn about it because I didn't, you know, because we're all nerds here. It's okay to say that out yep. loud. Um, but I didn't know that. I suspected it would be something like that. Um, the yeah. watch I have now only regularly charges to 80%. And if I want to force it to charge to hundred percent, I can just tap the screen whenever it whenever I put it on the charger, but it'll never run it up past 80 um, unless I tell it to. So just, it's cool. The technology that's, that's landing in um, smart battery packs all over the place, watches and phones and cars. Well, great segue, right? That is the question. Like when I wrote, I think, think I talked about, um, you know, what EV to choose kind of thing. I had a EV decider article. I talked about one of the previous appearances here. And you just hit the nail on the head with that trip, right? Did he have to worry about it? Your answer sounds like no. Same here. Right? I've supercharged 186 times at 78 locations. So, and it went great, right? And that's the sad part. The rest of the network in America, not so great. But let's, <laughs> let's, dive, let's dive into what you just said, though, Aaron, the algorithm. So Tesla's, in a, and again, it's going to sound fanboy. It's just reality. They've been doing it for about a decade, right? The Model S has been cruising around the country for quite a while. And you've been able to cross coast to coast for I think it's eight years now or something. Um, so it's they're they're into it for a while, and the software does the fancy stuff like like you said. You set your destination, it handles all the rest. Just get in the car and start driving. Tells you what exit to get off, but it makes sure that there's a charger available at that exit. It also prefer V3 typically if it can. Uh, V3 is faster, and it doesn't matter if there's a shared stall. You can park in any of the twelve or sixteen spots. It doesn't matter if someone parks next to you. You're probably gonna get full speed. And that's um, that's that's the smarts. Finally, there's winter. That's a new twist. Winter is newer anyway. Tesla's been preconditioning their cars. Hyundai and others only recently getting started, like the Ionic. So it's a competitive advantage there, where it thinks about, 
oh, my battery pack's kind of cold. This person just pulled out of the garage and they're doing a road trip two, three, four hours away. They need to charge in the way. Let me get the battery pack all nice and roasty toasty, like 125 Fahrenheit. I have an OBD in my car, shows me, but most people don't know the actual temperature battery. And it just says, hey, let's arrive at the supercharger at the maximum charge speed, optimal temperature of the battery pack. And again, that's the, the stuff that an average person, people just don't know that when they buy it and they don't have to think about it. And the Tesla just get in, use the on-screen navigation and, and go, and it gets you to exit and only stop for 18 minutes versus like 38 minutes or something by intelligent pick, intelligently picking which stop and then getting you the heck out of there at 60 or 70 or maybe 80%, never 90 or 100 because it takes so long to get to that last 20%. Yeah. And that's true in almost all of them, except for those LFP batteries that are starting to emerge. There's a new type of chemistry we talked about, but most of the most part. I'm sorry. I kept cutting you off. I thought you were done with that. Is that what he meant? So you talked about conditioning the batteries. Is that so? My friend was saying as he was approaching a supercharger, it would give him a notification that the car was conditioning the batteries for a charge. First of all, is that just the process of warming it? And second of all, is that something that Tesla even needs to be telling the passenger or the driver? whatever, mm, which we kind of joked about whether or not he was actually driving or just being a passenger. But <laughs> well, Let me give an example. I was driving in Manhattan, coming back with my wife uh, a week and a half ago, and it's like, oh, we're going to need to charge. And it tells me it's preconditioning and it's going to get off from Fairfield, Connecticut. So you're driving from a 108 mile trip, Manhattan up to Westfield, Connecticut, right near Hartford. It's about 108 miles. And it says Fairfield. I'm like, okay. And it's the preconditioning little indicator goes on. I'm like, actually, I think we want to stop at Pepe's Pizza in Waterbury on the way home. That's a little further. Let's see what happens if I reroute to there. I reroute to Waterbury, Connecticut, much further than Fairfield, Connecticut, past the border. And it stops preconditioning. Why? Because they're going to arrive at like 8 or 9%. It doesn't want to burn through battery by warming it because it's like, oh, this guy's stretching it. So we're going to just turn off preconditioning. So for me, a nerd driving and trying to multitask where you only basically you can just talk to it and say, Navigate to Supercharger, Waterbury, Connecticut, and brings me there, which is in a parking lot of a pizza place. So that that's an example of it's that smart. Like they're so savvy about all of it, including when you're a single person, you know, business traveler or driver, like I've been for many of my four years of owning this car and 68,000 miles. You need to be able to do this stuff while you're cruising down the highway safely by, you know, talking to it and telling it your destination and knowing at a quick glance, like half a second looking over at the screen. Am I going to make it? What's my percentage before I get there? And it just handled all that, right? If Waterbury was out of range, it would have told me you'll arrive with minus 3% battery. Well, that's not going to work. And then it'll have you stop somewhere else to charge. So What's fascinating about so, yeah, We have a, um, all right, so I, I won't share the person or the customer, but uh, a, a really good cus- customer of ours uh, was was driving up to Austin from Houston. This is call it 160, maybe 170 miles. So maybe three-ish hours roughly in, in the state of Texas on average. The um, So they were driving up to Austin from Houston during the most recent kind of ice storm that we had. Uh, it, was, it was a really cool scenario. He was coming up to kind of surprise um, his uh, his sales team that was getting an award. And so it was just, I was talking with him in the lobby and I, you know, it was really difficult getting to Austin that week. I mean, I was two days late for my own company's event to give you an indication of how difficult it was to make this happen. And so he's coming up and I was like, well, how was your drive, man? Was it, was it okay coming from Houston? Cause coming from Dallas is really tough. And he goes, well, uh, yeah, it was largely fine. And I did all the math. I've had my Tesla for seven years or not seven years, several years. And I have, uh, I'll tell you, I really started to run into some range anxiety. And I was just like, what are, you, what are you talking about? And he goes, listen, I did all the math. I've driven this a million times. I was charged. It was all good. Unfortunately, I didn't do the math about how much extra energy it would take to thaw out my car before I jumped on the road to go yeah. to Austin. And he said he pulled into the hotel with basically like 5% of the battery left or something (laughs) outrageously low. And he was just like, I was terrified the entire time. And he was like on the phone with people and he was like, I'm I'm not going to make it. I'm going to be stranded, you know, somewhere in the middle, 
middle of Texas here driving to Austin. But it was just kind of a funny thing of those situations that are probably normal for you, Paul. Um, you know, having to maybe thaw out a car or maybe just not leave it in a position where it needs to be thawed out since it snows up there so often in Connecticut. But down in Houston, we don't run into those a lot of those problems very often and did not think ahead to the math required to how much range was going to be lost just to to dethaw the car. I thought that was it was a pretty funny story. We had a good laugh about it at the time, but it was terrifying for him in the moment. So That's awesome. Yeah, no. Um, imagine if he's driving too, and that number starts creeping down. You know, maybe it started eight percent, then went to seven, and then six as he's driving through slush and rain. That would be that, scary, right? You, you've got to get an accurate estimate. Yeah, um, and and it was and going down faster than he normally expects it to because of the temperature, right? I mean, it just wasn't. He just lost, and he fa- he said he factored that in. He's like he factored a twenty percent loss in, or something along those lines. Um, I can't remember the exact number he gave me, but it was just. It was just kind of a, a funny thing. And I, you know, I don't even think of the drive from Houston to Austin as being very long. Uh, just right. in general, it's, you know, Dallas is about 220 miles to, to Austin comparatively. And uh, so I just didn't think, I, I wouldn't have thought you would have any issue going from there. But in that particularly unique scenario, uh, yeah. it proved to potentially be a problem. But, you know, it all worked out in the end. So it sounds like he wasn't plugged in overnight in, say, a conditioned garage. It was outdoors and mighty. the whole vehicle was chilly, including the battery pack, correct? That is the way it sounds to me, probably sitting yeah. in his driveway. It was fully charged, he said. Um, that that much was for sure. He had it fully okay. charged. But he, I'm guessing, turned you know, unplugged it, turned it on, and uh, well, started started the process of, of, of getting it ready to go. Drop- can I drop a little pro tip here that I just realized? Yeah. Drop I don't know. Actually, I don't know how plethora ride, ride your bike with it connected or <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the, I don't know the plethora of, or how many, if it is a plethora of superchargers there are, or how often I've never had to look for them. And I just haven't looked at a map of them, but I realized too, that if you're not near one, there is a plethora of RV parks and you can always pull into an RV park and they have 50 amp hookups there. If, Worst case scenario, just a thought. Um, yeah, that would help you limp along, but you're going to be there an hour yeah. or two to get a decent yeah. charge. Yeah, it's, it's, well, it's better than getting pretty slow. Yeah, better yeah, than getting Tesla's stuck in the middle of nowhere is, is my point. Yeah, there. absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then, but um, Paul, I had an idea um, too that I, I was just like, you know, maybe this maybe this would work, maybe it wouldn't. But um, my friend was telling me if you leave your car at, super, at a supercharger and once it reaches max capacity if you just let it sit there in the bay it'll start charging you a dollar per minute to sit there mm-hmm. which isn't a small charge yep do, and shouldn't think, tesla have get like do they the have way. the ability to like eject the charge handle and then use summon mode to just move you <laughs> off the charger into an empty space or do you think the technology is there is that possible yeah the parking the, the uh, navigation around a parking lot's not safe or good enough for that but that would be a future direction for the Isn't right that what now, summon right? does no, Isn't I mean, there's no, there's no power oh, there's no the cord out of the car, right? You got to um, <laughs> yeah. in the car, push the brake, which makes it know you're there in the car. And then you should fashion a third party one that just launches it like indiscriminately, just like, well, you bam! Can... <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. we're, we're, la- we're laughing, but if you're uh, alone at night and you're nervous and at a dark parking lot, it is an sure. interesting thing. You're a sitting duck because you're sitting there in your locked car charging. doesn't matter what brand. But you can't yeah. eject that cable and drive away with someone menacing coming towards you. People have identified this. A guy named Kyle Connor talked about this a good year ago. It's one of the other challenges in the charging industry. These cables are locked in a Tesla. You can't just walk up to the random Tesla and yank the cable out who's DC fast charging either. That would arc quite a spark, first of all, which would be unsafe. How does that work? Also, How does it lock? Super fun. What's, yeah, the, a, what's a, the mechanism like? It's a gripping mechanism. Sure. Well, if your sure. phone is... I, I mean, I haven't you know, seen it, but I'm guessing it's just like spears on the one side and then something that engages on the car side or vice versa, actually. It's probably easier to put that in the cable. Yeah, there's a little um, membrane little button on the cable. Out. And you push it and then you hear contactors really and it releases. So there's a mechanical you know thing inside the handle. And that's true at home too. In my charger, my garage or supercharging, I can't just yank the cable while it's actively juicing. And that's true yeah, of all brands. I mean, it's a high voltage DC connection. That's a that's a death row. Cor- correct. That is supercharger. <laughs> at home it's AC, right? So at home it's is it uh, safe to say this is the same docking mechanism they use at the ISS? 
<laughs> That's a joke. Uh, Never mind. I'm sorry. Going back, you touched on something with the cold battery pack. Sorry, did you have yeah. someone uh, rest? The cold battery pack. So scheduled oh. departure. In the app, you can say, I'm leaving at 10 a.m. tomorrow, so please have my battery and car ready for that and, and warm up the interior. Just in time. Yeah. Oop. Um, so that's another thing. And then also Tesla, they don't really have PR, but they're finally doing videos on their YouTube channel, which will help the broader EV ecosystem. We'll get into that in a moment. Not just Tesla owners, but just like the basics, like in the winter, you know, kind of good to keep your car um, warm or plugged in overnight if you can. And here's how you defrost uh, the windshield wipers. They're not glued to your windshield. There's a little mode you can do when you turn on at night. So it leaves the wipers on the windshield. So when you turn on the defroster in the morning, it's actually melting to go off your windshield and get the wipers freed up. Those little tips nice. for any old brand of EV are useful when you live in places, especially if you're in an apartment, your car is parked outdoors. It's the stuff you need to know. And it's nice to see them finally doing that for newbies uh, who just bought their car. Um, so yeah, and then finally, wind speed and weather. We just hinted at that. When you're driving, things happen. Like I've left my driveway, my garage, it's like 50 in there, but it had a cold snap outside. Now the car's like, oh, I'm trying to drive to Boston, but it's 11 Fahrenheit. <laughs> it's getting colder and colder as the battery pack chills as you're cruising down the highway at uh, typically around 70 here in the Northeast, not 80 or 90 like you are in Texas. But that still affects the range quite a bit. It's not only the speed you've chosen to you know use cruise control, but it's also elevation and wind speed and weather. And they're starting to account for more of that uh, on Tesla's latest software too. So my car in the four years I've owned it has gotten quite a bit better at range prediction. Tires are the last frontier. Not as good there. I changed my tires recently, had a pretty big impact on range and I can't really recalibrate and say, well, I have this tire versus this one because rolling resistance mm -hmm. to the snows is not as good as all season. So you can tell it's a little complicated, but I don't want someone listening to this be all nervous about it. The whole industry is waking <laughs> up that all of this is important. The thing you ultimately need to do is tell the driver a very conservative number at what percentage they'll arrive at with their battery. And I've gotten home with 4%, no problem, because it said 4% the whole way, or maybe crept down from 5% in the beginning, there was a little bit of wind or something, it went to four. That doesn't freak me out. But if the number changes a lot, <laughs> the whole journey of two or three hours, yeah, you'd be sweating and nervous, and it's time to get off an exit and not stretch it. Um, so yeah, hopefully I helped a little with that description, but that's the big news in the last couple of weeks. We keep saying this word supercharger, what if you could charge your electric Corvette there in a year or two? Well, that just yeah. got in. This is the yep. big news, right? Impo. The biggest news I've ever had about EVs in the three or four years I've been trying to help the EV club of Connecticut, where we you know, try to help anyone buy any brand of EV. Well, given the uh, crap show that EV charging, DC fast charging, has been in all over the US this winter, terrible performance by Electra America and EVgo. Um, thank goodness there might be a little brighter future where not only do we have NEVI dollars, these uh, national um, infrastructure dollars going towards charging for each of the states that they can spend on DC fast charging along highways in non-profitable sections of your state. Awesome. Also, we've got the big announcement that Tesla superchargers, we may open up a portion of their network with a simple little docking me mechanism we'll talk about where you can charge your non-Tesla at those superchargers, which suddenly added a lot of value to all the non-Tesla brands out there but it also got Tesla some billions so they can double their number of superchargers in the next year or two. So it's good news for everybody. It's how I see it. Maybe a little rough news in the short term because I've been used to an exclusive network where I always have charging spots between Boston and New York has been zero problems at all. You know, that could change as there's other brands parked at weird angles blocking two spots. Could be a little rough, but Ooh. still, yeah. Why do they do that? Well, Why do they have to park at weird angles? Tycon, Rivian, they're all in different spots. We didn't even standardize back left corner on Tesla is not the same in all the others. Oops, right? That's a problem. Yeah, yeah. I know the, the F-150 Lightning's on the front left, right? Yep. So if you do pull-throughs, mm. like a giant parking lot in the corner of a Walmart, like Electro America, what if they were all pull-through where you can come in your car from either side, just like at a gas station? So it doesn't matter so much if you're filling your car with gas on left or right, as long as you can pull through, not a big deal. You're not blocking anyone. Well, Tesla's future V4 superchargers need to think more about that, not just for trucks, but to be inclusive of all these brands. Yeah. Um, hey, well, have, you, have you experienced phantom braking at all? A little bit, much less than last year. They did away with radar in my car, so they're not using the radar behind my front bumper in my 2018 Model 3. Phantom uh -huh. braking is now maybe one or two miles an hour lost randomly when cruising down the highway. No big deal. Okay. When it, when it was like six or seven miles an hour while everyone's you know groggy or sleeping and not looking at the highway, that would freak them out a bit. Like, why did you just hit the brakes fairly abruptly? But it was never like 
you know, blue smoke after, well, uh, ABS. Yeah. Near, near what happened to, it was just what happened to me when I was, yeah, I was riding oh. down to New Orleans um, from uh, Baton Rouge. And it was less, because because of the way the regenerative braking stuff works, it's less of a, like, a, an applied brake and more of a letting off the gas experience, yeah. it seemed to me. Yep. Is that Was that the way you, okay. Yeah, your head's not weird. You're just cruising forward. along. You're yeah. not EBF panic braking. It's not full automatic uh, yeah. emergency braking. It's something more mild, but it is annoying. If we drive to Pittsburgh, we have family there. We drove nine hours. That was typically a trip that required two supercharging stops, lunch and dinner on the way. Worked out fine. Uh, each stop was like 20 to 30 minutes. And um, if it happened more than once in that trip with three other passengers in the car, yeah, they're like, yeah, autopilot's fired. You got to drive manually the rest of the way. And that doesn't sound like a big deal, but when you're doing it nine hours, it suddenly feels like a bigger deal versus having a little assist for a nine hour trip, being the only driver, no big deal when something's helping you with lane keeping and speed. Um, those, are, those are the little, this is great. You've hit on so many little topics, but um, I, that experience of being able to drive to Pittsburgh and not think about it. I've had that luxury for four years. I would love for anyone to buy any brand and have the same experience. Sure, go to grandma's house once a year, nine hours in a holiday, and have no worries about charging on the way there on Thanksgiving or Christmas. That is not reality right now, and that just bums me out. And we're potentially years from that. Even the superchargers yeah, helping. Take some time. That, that can help a lot quicker, potentially. So what they've been doing is piloting in Europe, but they have different connectors in Europe. I mentioned that a previous time I was on your uh, podcast here. Here in the U.S., we have the CCS connector, this big bulky connector, and we have Tesla. What they're doing is called a magic dock. So right now in a supercharger, you've got a Tesla.com account when you buy a Tesla or you buy a used one or new, doesn't matter. There's a credit card associated with you. So you pull up to a supercharger, you hop out of the car, you plug in the cable in the back, the, the little uh, lid opens when you push the button on the handle as you pull the button out of the, sorry. As you pull the cable out of the holster, the supercharger thing that you see with the Tesla light logo on it, as you pull that out, there's a little button on there. If you push that, it opens a little flap in your car to open up the charge port, plug in the cable. In like three seconds, you're done. You can walk away. You don't even need to wait four or five more seconds to see the green light. Yeah, nice. It's going to charge. That's awesome. And you go walk to the food court and get to the bathrooms with your family. Any other brand, they're starting to, on Electrify America and a little bit on EVgo. They do have some quick charge options where you can set a, do a one-time setup. But even a VW ID4 still doesn't have that on their own, you know, VW associated Electrify America network. It's been very slow going. So certain cars, you can just walk away. But the thing is, they tend to have slow charging problems or it'll stop in the middle of charging. They're just not as good at letting you know something's happened. And that's brutal, right? If you're in the food court and your car's not charging, you're not paying attention to the app, that's not good. <laughs> you get back to the car and it stopped for whatever reason. So those nightmare stories need to end. However, so look at the brighter future. Let's say it's a Tesla supercharger and you come up in your non-Tesla. Okay, you do need to have the app and you, you have set up a credit card and your Tesla.com account, even though you don't own a Tesla. You fire up the app and it says, uh, you tell it which stall you're at, 4A, whatever, you tap on the screen because it knows your geofence location and charging starts. So it's not bad, but how do you physically plug it in? The Tesla connector is much smaller and different than your car. Well, what happens is you've walked up to the charger, you told it what stall, it knows your CCS car, it knows you're a, a non-Tesla. So when you pull that, Handle, you pull that handle off the um, charging post, the supercharger you know, device. It comes with a hunk of plastic attached to the end of the cable, pre-attached or pre-locked to the end of the cable, CCS style. You just plug it into your CCS car. It's that simple. So they've come up with a, they call it a magic dock where they've got a way to handle all the non-Teslas and they're already, you know, leaks images of how this would work in this in the country. So they don't even have to replace the cables. The US is like ready to go. Obviously, you know, Tesla was ready for this moment for months before Biden went and announced it a couple of weeks ago. So I don't know how fast the rollout's going to be. I don't know how many stalls they'll pick at any given place. Maybe they'll pick two stalls out of 12 locations, at 12 spot locations, and they might charge them a lot more for electricity. But suddenly that car is a lot more value for an occasional road trip that they now have a related you know, way to not sweat it when they need to stop and charge with their family. Maybe they won't pick a Tesla supercharger first. Maybe they'll try Electrify America. First, and that fails, and then they drive to the supercharger as a plan B. I don't know. It's going to take some years for that to shake out, or hopefully months, not years. Any questions? So that, that's the big news. It's huge news for every brand to be able to charge on a giant network of 1,400 yeah, locations with 17,000 charging stalls in America, ready to go. Mm -hmm. A lot of them will need to be retrofitted, but like a 10-minute retrofit. 
yeah, what do you I mean, think the other a, car manufacturers for sure yeah Go ahead, well what do you think the other car manufacturer like leadership teams are thinking about this in uh, terms of, are they relieved one, yeah because okay. I, I would think so ford and others they're, they're actually watching there's the guy named the kilowatts there's another guy named brandon flash and the third guy who did it first Kyle Connor, who I've met, he did an Ionic uh, Five review here in Connecticut and is, is filming. Anyhow, those guys have been super public, holding um, these companies feet to the fire, having them on their podcast. Inside EVs is a great podcast. They had the uh, Electrify America guy there, just saying that this winter's been terrible. He's in Colorado, his dad's here in Connecticut, just putting out video after video of what a terrible exit this was. Only one out of four stalls was working. But plug share. <laughs> oh, I remember that. Plug share will stay working. One, yeah. And PlugShare will say, well, yeah, this site's up. That's not up. Um, it's terrible. Brutal. Yeah, they've been then, littered with issues. And correct. you're probably right. Like like the other companies, I'm sure there's disappointment from a leadership perspective in the fact that they were unable to come up with a standard and build something that was as interesting as effective, especially because I guarantee you there's profit associated with having the charging network. I mean, that's, that's phenomenal for Tesla, right? But yeah. the fact of the matter is they failed to create a compelling and functional network for whatever reason, whether it was quality like you were just describing or because standardization is hard. Um, mm -hmm. You know, at the end of the day, like Tesla killed it. So they've got to be excited that their users now potentially have access to a more reliable network, but they're probably not too thrilled that that doesn't funnel money into their pockets. Yeah, if GM and Ford CEOs are looking at these reports, it's been such a miserable winter, such bad word in the street about the reputation of these third-party nah. charging networks that they're relying on for sales. So not only are they scrambling to, you know, get enough mining materials and make enough Ford F-150s, but they must be, they hopefully are pretty worried at this point about what's going on with the charging network in America that definitely threatens their long-term growth. But guess what? A lot of companies made it worse. ID4, um, <laughs> they give free charging with their car. So people will uh, sit there and they're ID4. A Porsche Taycan comes along, wants to charge at a 350 kilowatt of Electrify America spot in you know 12 minutes at a Walmart parking lot. Guess who's blocking them? An ID4 owner that can only charge it, I think it's 120 or 150. So they're not, shouldn't be in the 300 spot, 300 kilowatt spot. Oh, wow. They just figure it looks like, it's kind of like parking in a high octane spot. Like uh, it must be better for my car or faster. It must it's be not. better. They should just inject those connections if they're open base. But well, that would require intelligence build, being built into the network. Well, that they could. Like Electro America could see, oh, this is an ID4 user. We gave them free charging. They're going to sit there for an hour. They want to get that last 20% of juice to go to 80% to 100 because they got they were given free supercharging. So it's another massive sure. problem. The, the manufacturers are incentivizing sales. Well, they don't need to incentivize. Everybody's backward at this point. And there's been other videos about that. Please back off from the manufacturer incentivizing terrible behavior, leaving your car at a DC fast charger for an hour or two to get that 100%. <laughs> Well, I think the way that we solve this problem is we do away with the need to do it all together to kind of push us to another topic. Um, <clears throat> apparently, physicists have found a way to just pull energy out of nothing. Can't trust those. Can't trust physicists. So what? there's Wait, a what's nothing yeah, like posted. the vacuum of space. <clears throat> it is actually that's the one. Um, so apparently, and and I believe the uh, the since this is using quantum mechanics one of our favorite topics on the shows it would be a quantum vacuum but apparently there has been some questions uh over time about kind of the i guess the idea of the way energy shifts in a quantum mm -hmm. vacuum and whether or not you could actually pull anything out of it because huh. the idea here right is that the energy teleports across these sort of microscopic distances. Well, apparently yeah, quantum. We talked found about this on the last way show. Yeah. It. It's the it's that's the teleportation thing that I was talking about at the end of last show when, when we were talking about uh, Willy Wonka and the yeah. chocolate factory <laughs> and and trying to define what teleportation is. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. I still have that is it just tunneling? Because you said over a really small distance, like quantum tunneling is one of those phenomenon that, you know, has driven a lot of the like the statistical side of how quantum actually manifests. Um, again, I actually forgot to go and look at this, so I know well, nothing more than I did the last let time, me but. Let me read the opening statement to you um, because it obviously will clear up everything. Um, for their latest magic trick, physicists have done <laughs> the quantum equivalent of conjuring energy out of thin air. Uh, it's a yeah, feat that obviously. seems to fly in the face of physical law and common sense. 
Um, basically, it, it says off right there. It, it's it's a fascinating thing. It says you can't extract energy directly from the vacuum because there's nothing to give. That is what the <laughs> theoretical physicists at the University of British Columbia describes as the standard way of thinking. Uh, yeah. But then we did. That. And that's where things got interesting. And that's that's dealing with the like, that's going to the Bewley comment of the teleportation of energy in of... quantum physics okay. and like pulling it from from that. So that's that's kind of the idea. Now, it's like, obviously, there's there's nothing practically being done here. Um, it's just it's just that they're able to actually detect and find a way to say, hey, we know this is here. Now can we extract it? And there's a, a very scale? long article here. A big, big problem with that one. Well, I'm, You're I'm worrying about things that don't matter. Don't well, worry no, about scale. We'll see the wireless charging feature here on the uh, Apple iPhone 15 when it comes out in September. It's going to be <laughs> quantum tun- tunneling with... Uh, They'll call it that. Yeah. It won't have anything to do with it. With entangled particles. What in the world, world did you just say? Well, I mean, that's the whole thing, right? You have particles that are separated, and then you you can change one's energy state, and because it's entangled with another, maybe it's inside a vacuum, right? Then it changes the energy state of the one inside the vacuum, and that's how you're creating yeah, I, energy. I don't think nothing. these are the same things. I, don't, I mean, or maybe they are. Maybe to, you read that, that article, but I don't think quantum entanglement and what they were talking about with transmitting, quote-unquote, information <laughs> or matter you know, through quantum entanglement is the same as extracting energy from the vacuum of space. Hold on. I would think the vacuum of space size, not having read any of this, is more likely to be associated with some of the phenomenon that will happen where... So one of the problems... With this is the same thing. Energy out of a vacuum, for instance. Is it really? Yeah, the article I've, I've skimmed. Yeah, I've skimmed the article that Russ dropped in here. It's the same story-ish as the last one. Oh, it, it, story-ish it, is not the same as story. No, control so F, quantum control, entanglement no, and is. pulling energy out of a vacuum aren't the same thing. Well, he, Are you he, telling me that I'm going to take energy an out of a vacuum and put it into a vacuum, <laughs> and then it's going to come out charged? It's not well, about yeah, pulling energy sense. out of a vacuum. I don't know like, where you pulled uh, that Dyson. from. No, this is the, look at the look at the subtitle in the article, the quantum <laughs> not, energy teleportation protocol. Let me repeat. Is that it the same article that, on, that Russ is talking about? <laughs> Russ, you yeah. need to paste your link. Same time, same time. No, it's it is. This I'm I'm reading from the one that that Russ pasted. It says the quantum energy <laughs> teleportation <laughs> protocol. It's the oh, exact same thing that I was talking about at the end of last uh, uh, show. It's it's wild, absolutely wild. Cool. cool photos too. Halfway down that article. Thanks, Russ. Yeah, the uh, photo at the beginning so, doesn't make any sense. No, but the one in the middle school. <laughs> no, 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 it doesn't. Uh, I wonder. I wonder uh, if there's uh, something just, similar. Hold on, to, just, oh, just to be clear here, Bibuli not knowing where the vacuum comes from. Without it, this doesn't exist. So it comes from all of it. No, I, no, I'm I'm asking where Tyler got that from because that's not the that's not the oh, main piece. Okay. It's not about it's not no, about pulling energy out of vacuums. No, no, I thought he said that. Right. I I thought Russ said that. Right. Because it was energy. I'm from pointing nothing. out that sounds like I'm pulling energy. Out. That's why I literally said, "Wait, nothing. What is the most nothing we have? <laughs> the vacuum of space." Yes. Well, well that's why I'm complaining about the vacuum of space. That, that's why I'm complaining <laughs> about the photo, photo at the beginning of the article because it's uh, a light bulb no. plugged into the vacuum of space. It's dumb. That's not what this is about. <laughs> However, that was that is that is a big part of the premise. Is that First the quantum of all, energy is measured in the vacuum? Bulbs don't look at the photo, man. Bulbs don't have wires that come out of the end of them. You, what kind of bulbs do you <laughs> have? None Those of this makes any sense. They None literally sell that sense. light bulb. They're talking about teleportation, and they're showing you a wire. Like it doesn't. None of that. Make, none of the photo makes sense. If wires are teleportation, then this is easy. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Read the words. <sighs> Don't look at the pictures. I'll send you picture books that have. Oh, okay. Look at that. Hey, All right. So now let's... I'm actually looking at the article a little bit, and and this is neat because <laughs> what I was going to say in. about like pulling elect 
uh, like pulling yeah. something out of the vacuum of space. There is a phenomenon, and it is also, if I'm not mistaken, related to like how black holes shrink. So some of the way that they radiate, and this is actually talking about entanglement there, where it's saying that effectively they're radiating energy away from a black hole. And the way that that works out without violating the laws of physics is that there's negative energy that's being produced kind of on the other side of the event horizon. Change the laws. In that case. But so in there are uh, documented cases of phenomenon where like particles will just come to be in the vacuum of space, right? Or a, a an experimental yeah, environment. That's different. And it's the same concept, like literally nothing. And then positive something and negative yes. something that actually balances out and so we could potentially harvest that but i it i guess it is also related to like the idea of black holes well black holes is just a lot of matter in a in a tiny tiny space it's a density problem but but i'm i'm again back to i'm curious about scaling because I wouldn't have associated, without, again, having read the article, I would not have associated the ideas of quantum teleportation or entanglement and energy extraction from a vacuum, a void, as being the same thing, though it doesn't shock me at all that the quantum baseline is is applicable to both. So I'm actually, I'll read this one of these days and uh, and provide probably no new information. Well, but yeah, well, what we prefer I, is I, that I will we just make... promise that to you. <laughs> yeah, what we prefer is that we all just make tons of comments about things that we haven't read. But what just really no, bothers me is this is photo of a, this photo <laughs> of a two-wire plug, this two-wire 110-volt plug in outer space connected immediately to the back end of a light bulb it has nothing to do with the quantum mechanics teleportation conversation. My goodness. You're like a dog looking at a squirrel going chat by. GTP made that image. The, um, the hey, stable so, diffusion came up with on. that idea. Stop and viruses. Talking. I swear those are viruses. I I, I want to make a comment thing with the point. The so here's the here's the interesting part here. I think it would be so much fun to be in this room because if you actually read through the article, you'll hear this is a bunch of like super nerds. By the way, the biggest comment I could ever give anyone is super nerd. It you know arguing with each other because one of these is like you kind of hear this back and forth and goes. Nevertheless, Hoda's publication was met with critics or crickets. Machines that exploit zero point energy of the vacuum are a mainstay of science fiction. So these, these guys are like fighting back and forth about trying to prove things in science fiction, essentially. Right. It says awesome. his procedure rankled science or physicists tired of fielding crackpot proposals for such devices. But Hoda <laughs> felt certain he was onto something. And he continued to develop this idea in talks. He received oh, further encouragement it. from another scientist whose name I cannot pronounce, but he described his understanding of this. And this is my favorite part. This stuff is kind of just second nature to me that you can do strange things with quantum mechanics. <laughs> so these are the two guys who ended up finding this. Sorry, Bewley, the idea of pulling energy from nothing, which wasn't a vacuum. So sorry for the image. That's but fine, but don't that, have a, don't the have a incandescent just, bulb. With a wire going to a two-prong plug in space. They just they no. took the cheapest light bulb they could get their hands on. It came from Ikea. They sell that. And and that's what they brought you. I mean, to be fair, it's actually just a two-prong 110-volt plug with a wire that goes to a <laughs> socket that you can screw a light bulb into. But it's pretty darn close. Like, two minutes with, a, with like, a spot welder, and you basically have that image. <laughs> Minus the, you know, vacuum of space power. <laughs> Okay, can we get like a crypto <laughs> update or an update on? We haven't said the word Facebook in a while or Meta or it's Meta now. Facebook Let's move on dead. to something else That's here. Not true. Facebook. What else do we want to talk Meta, about? Right? Ooh, didn't didn't uh, uh, Zuck the big Zuck? Didn't he follow suit um, on on Elon's coattails and and propose oh, charging, charging some sort of premium FA? access feature? <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I thought did. that was a meme, but I think it's real. No, I think it's no yeah, so the charging for something wasn't a meme, I don't believe, but uh, charging for 2FA was pretty rich. Let's see. Get Oh, getting verified. Getting verified on Facebook and Instagram used there to it be is. free. Now it's going to cost around $12 a month. Booyah. <laughs> He's launching a paid stock. subscription service called Meta Verified. It looks a lot like the one Elon That's just introduced so at Twitter. Groundbreaking and novel. I'm like, I'm constantly impressed with Zuck. He always thinks well, outside of the box. Isn't no one's ever done that aren't they known for just copying anything else that Verified any other platform does? Term. Yeah, introducing um, Insta verified. Uh, oh, get yeah. it? 
I'll bet it's not instant at all. Russ, don't drop photos like that in our <laughs> in the TBC <laughs> community. You're gonna hurt my brain. It took me no Is time to find my plugged into the vacuum of space. It's just no. another light bulb that has a wire plugged into it. <laughs> it's not plugged oh, into anything. It's all over the place. Because Look at that's that. how light this is a common trope. Light bulb Explain trope. to me how the light that. bulb has has threads that go immediately like to screw into something, but instead there's a wire that comes out to connect. Because it to light bulbs are fine. Originally... I could actually I could literally make that work with a drill uh, and a little bit of time. I could make that. It would be totally safe for everybody, especially kids. But I could do it. Right, That's I... how they used to work. They screwed into placeholders <laughs> I... in a wall that plugged in somewhere else. Can I Sorry jump in that you weren't news? alive back please, then. Please, please jump in. Save us all. Two, two hours ago, 200 miles from my home, Barona, New York has the world's or the United States first magic supercharger dock. So not only did the app <sighs> show the image for this new style of charging that non-Tesla's can use, but it's actually showed up at a supercharger two hours ago. That's big news. So that means they might be delivering What's on a, the promise of opening up magic? the supercharger network. Is it quickly. plugged into the vacuum of space? Stop it. <laughs> no. But again, if they do hundred, you know, let's say hundreds of them show up over this nope. weekend, it, it's a big deal. I mean, this is happening. You're gonna remember this yeah. moment in history because uh, no. America basically. I mean, maybe. No, it is pretty uh, cool no, actually, though. It I is, think it is cool maybe. to have but, some some sort I, of. If standard there's one thing I know, it's that my memory of things temporally in history is pretty weak. So, <laughs> so I'm not gonna give myself any forward-looking credit here. For me, I just I was gonna also complain. <laughs> I was also going to complain about you not reading articles, but then I recalled the <laughs> bowling incident where somebody came on and they were talking about bowling lanes and greasing them down. And you're like, oh, yeah. And then you like proceeded to go down this crazy trail of explaining how it all works. Russ and I were like, what? Is that right? And you're like, yeah, I read a Reddit article about it once. <laughs> like, oh my God. Yeah, I, I do remember the ridiculous bowling lane conversation that we had. I think it could be rivaled by our uh, Super quantum power delivery system into the light bulb. All right. I'm just glad um, you found more examples. Of, hey, speaking of AI generated stuff, I know it's yes, joking about talk uh, AI. Russ's pictures of light bulbs that are plugged into nothing, which I'm glad <laughs> there are many examples of, by the way. That's fantastic. Um, the uh, have you seen the um, like AI freakout stuff either on Twitter or Reddit or any of it? Like a lot of it is almost kind of repetitive at this point. It's just goofy stuff. What do you mean by uh, freakout? Like, like being octopos, threatening, just, just craziness. No, 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 no. no. Well, stuff? I mean, sure, some of those that that was super interesting. Like watching the chat uh, chat bots that were released, you know, go and do Microsoft 2.0. But yeah, um, saying I could blackmail you and ruin your reputation <laughs> online, like it was I bad. Think I would kill you over myself, but <laughs> I'd rather not make that choice. And it's like, yikes, okay, cool, neat. No, I was specifically referring to some of the more goofy um, meme-like material. I don't think they count as memes because they're they're basically videos. But there's a lot of um, voice uh, copying and so creating sort of like deep fake-like content, but, but then not going full bore and creating like a movie so it's obvious that that person, quote-unquote, was doing it. Like it is meant to be interpreted as a joke or at least that's how i see it because it it doesn't have the same like production value to be convincingly real but like it, it's ex-us presidents playing video games together and just saying stupid crap to each other uh what? giving addresses about silly things i saw one where biden no. was talking about the movie like we bought a zoo um and like they're just funny and then yesterday or the day before um this there is were video and audio Joe rogan ones well, the video is more like a a, a GIF, like they're, okay. they're not. It's not full motion, but, but there's the a audio little is bit, a little so bit going. Good. But the audio just sounds like Joe Rogan and like Ben Shapiro. There's one with Joe Rogan and Je Ben Shapiro I saw this morning or yesterday, where it's about getting old on a beach, and Joe Rogan is just like, I went to a beach and the beach made me old, and it's like I think it was the rocks. And Ben Shapiro, they keep cutting over to him with a you know a mic set up, and he's like, No, that's stupid. You did not get old at the beach. Is like I wasn't old before. I'm old now. It was the beach he's like it wasn't the beach and then at the end of course he's like i went to the beach i got old and it cuts but they're freaking hilarious and and nice. i'm i'm all for it i think we need more of that content and then there are like i said i saw some really funny ones with like obama and trump and probably biden like playing overwatch or something like that and just yeah, absurdity with their yeah like it stuff like yep. it's just funny 
Um, so have you heard of uh, Descript? So there's a, it's a podcast editor. Well, you can use it for that, but also video as well. But specifically from a podcast perspective, we can record this, export it. It will transcribe it. I can go through <laughs> and we talk enough to where I can change yeah. what people say in the transcription right. and the AI will change our voices to say what I edit the document <laughs> to say. Uh, and it so sounds perfect. I, yeah. It's amazing. I, I wonder if it, I, I wonder how good it is at getting all of the goofy <laughs> intonation we have, right? Like, as I get excited about something stupid, is it yeah. good at catching that? And it, will it change from the beginning of an episode where I started out sleepy to the end of an episode <laughs> where I'm angry about the void of space and Ikea light bulbs? Like, will it get it all? Well, but uh, yeah, so that's that's an interesting question. If I changed everything that you had said, but if I just changed like two sure. words here and three words right. there or whatever, it's it's you can change the entire meaning of a sentence just by changing a letter or a few words or whatever. Change that segment. And everywhere I say vacuum of space, say grapefruit. I want to hear that. <laughs> right. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's the uh, software is just getting crazy. <laughs> That is concerning on so many levels, and we probably got to shut this down. I just wanted to give kind of an interesting little plug before we did as we're talking about AI. I mean, obviously, there was news while we were gone around being kind of plugging in AI with chat GPT into kind of the search mechanism and kind of threats to Google. Google's doing the same thing with something called BARD, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but shout out to the, the, the random search engine that many people have probably never heard of that I actually use called Neva. Um, Neva is actually a uh, private search engine. Now, it, it, you actually pay for this. I don't know if they have a free variant or not, but it's like, I don't know, 50 bucks a year. I, I don't know what the, the cost was. But Neva has something called Neva AI. It's in beta, and it's they've had it since December, January, something like that. Where And I don't know if it uses GPT-3 or whatever. I, I really don't know exactly how it works, but I do know that it differs from chat GPT in one particular area. They do offer a free tier, by the way. They do. They have a free tier. Yeah, um, they have maybe, a, ba- a free basic. Yep. And then a pay premium. There may be some uh, specifics that come with it, but in when it comes to the Neva AI, one thing it does is very similar to kind of what I think Bing does. I haven't actually tried Bing's, but it, it will it is connected to the internet. It will source things from the internet and it will show you those sources, which is an interesting thing. But another piece is that it shows that I've found very valuable is that it'll show you if it has multiple sources and it's crafted an answer from those sources, you know, you highlight over a section and it will highlight that source, you know, which one it's pulling it from. So just kind of a source material tracking. Yeah, I you know I thought I'm assuming smaller company right. It's it's been good. I've sure. used it on my phone and my PC, um, and I use another one called Kagi uh, or Kagi. So I use both, um, but I've I've kind of gravitated towards Neva because of this Neva AI feature. Now it's it's not the intent of how I use it, but sometimes it brings up a really compelling response, and it's it's been really good. So I don't know. Shout you out to guess those where the guys founders? And, you want to guess a, where the founders came from? Way. Ooh. Google. Uh, um, yes. <laughs> the two co-founders both from Google. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah I, I was so which close. Makes perfect sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, no, I was going to say this is a terrible way to lead into closing out the show, but I had a really interesting conversation with one of my customers um, earlier this week. And um, we, we were talking about the potential use cases for chat G- GPT as it, as it matures even beyond where it is. Honestly, it could probably do this now, but think about um, portfolio companies like VMware as an example, right? That's close to home because I work there. Uh, and all of the knowledge base articles that are you know, referenced for support, whether it's community or it's actually being done from a global support perspective, imagine feeding all of that content into an engine like uh, a chatbot, if you will, and actually having contextually accurate detailed information instead of like just a, a level one support phone call you're you're really getting like the full picture of what our knowledge base looks like for solutioning um and then it, what happens if you create an ecosystem where you can feed really particular configuration details into that kind of system securely and that 
made a fun conversation because he was a security individual. But um, where you're getting like very specific, targeted, detailed troubleshooting information related to everything that's going on in your environment up to and including even third-party integrations where we have enough knowledge in that base to actually provide some kind of guidance or imagine other companies and, and linking it all back together. But like the some of the future use cases of the technology that right now we're seeing a lot of memeing and people are you know writing high school level papers and stuff like that, the the reach and impact I think is just going to be phenomenal. And like every time I have a conversation with somebody about this stuff, I they come up with a new, clever, and almost immediately viable sounding sort of uh, solution set. Because I, I don't think you have to go crazy to make something like that efficient, especially for something like level one support right now. And it's only going to get better, which is really cool. But like I said, terrible timing. That's better food for thought. We'll have to touch on it again later. Because I'm I have to sure imagine there's going to be a ridiculous use of ai i know there are probably already plenty oh, of examples heck, yeah. of this but everybody so there's a, actually as i say that there's a, a headband company and i think i was joking with y'all the other day they sent me an <laughs> ad for ai generated art for this headband and it's like great whatever like it's just digital art thanks <laughs> i'm not going to buy this and tell this. people that i bought it because it was ai generated like come on now um but even spotify is getting in the game they now have yeah. um they're bringing Yes, the Spotify DJ, yeah, that's cool. right? Which is an AI like curated voice making comments and introducing songs to you. It'll be really interesting to hear how this plays I out. But uh, I don't miss radio DJs that much. I'm sorry. Me either. DJs, jockeys, I don't I don't miss you. I I apologize. I don't know that that is needed, but it is fascinating they're able to do it. Um and it's hilarious that they have gone from like nobody knowing what a chat like AI was really mm -hmm. I mean, some voice assistance technically falls into that right but to replacing humans like that could and should have been a human job is a human job even with stuff like xm radio right and spotify has just introduced the non-human version of a dj overnight. oh yeah I, I like we need to find somebody <laughs> that's in the voice actor. This, but we're not hiring anybody for it yeah we need to find somebody in the voice actor community and bring them on and like come talk to us about what's going on behind the curtain yeah because it's got to be a dumpster be fire fascinating right well yeah. and i want to know the contracts too, like, like yeah do you could you well, sign I, your I was voice gonna over say, i think yeah. i think the law is going to be really interesting to follow here it already is mm -hmm. right like what it can you copyright content produced by an ai we, we've already had touched on some of those what uh here's here's a good example i think it's it's pretty pretty easy to assume that a content creator couldn't just you know loose uh, a machine learning algorithm on the the you know history of dwayne johnson's movies and then create an ai voice off of his that is him for all intents and purposes and just start selling it to other movies for voice acting without running into problems from himself right but what if you took his voice and then you played around with modulating it by other voices until you found one that sounded uniquely interesting enough that you released it as, as your own generated private content, but it's really actually based on just him and maybe another actor or actress. Like, is that crossing Now I want to hear is like parody. I just had this idea, but I really want to actually hear somebody do this. So please, if you're, you know, playing in that space, go, go generate, you know, mixed AI voice content for famous people. Cause I'm all for it. Um, but, but seriously, like what, at what point do we say you, you, the creator of an AI or, or deployer of AI, right? If it's something that's more open, um, you must basically reference your sources so we can determine whether or not you quote uh, illegally used content material. Can can you loose an AI on Disney's entire portfolio and steal from it and generate content off of it? Is it any different because a machine is doing it than? you a watcher watching the entire you know movie whatever discography filmography of of some you know uh director and then creating content from your memory of that but making it unique is that is it different mm. should it be different 
Dude, we can't, we need to stop. We got to pause. Let's come back and talk about this on Tuesday. There's so much to touch on. No, seriously though, because yeah, all yeah, of yeah. the news right now is our own, uh, our Supreme Court hearing arguments on stuff oh, yeah. and our, our Congress trying to make decisions around Second, um, Section 230. 230. Yeah, which mm -hmm. 230 has, like our podcast has been around for what, two years, two and a half years. It's come We've talked about Section 230 like eight times. Not near yeah. as much as we talk about yeah. Facebook, but. It continually comes up. And, and the then the quote I put in the, yeah, in the TPP community the other day, you have like a Supreme Court justice that's just like, we don't know technology this we well. Like, we why are we making this. decisions on this? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I did my see gosh. that. I didn't read that article yet either because I've been super busy, but I saw it. One, yay, you acknowledged it. But two, no, because like it or not, like it's at your feet. <laughs> People are trying to people with interests, special interests, maybe even. Uh, yeah, we're have, not at the have, point they care. Where you, yeah, we need you to care where, and understand. Yeah, if you're in a leadership or decision making role, you have to understand the technology, or you have to be counseled on people or by people that do. Like it's just yeah. okay. Let's shut but this I, down. I would agree. Paul, thanks that. for yeah, joining no, us, man. Sure. Yeah, thanks always for a me. pleasure, Paul. Love your knowledge. Yay for EV. Cool stuff. I know that was supercharging centric, but also battery tech. It was all good stuff. I liked it. I love it. Thanks for joining us. And that brings another tech breakfast con podcast content content podcast to I'll an end. In the AI. Thanks for joining us. Go ahead. <laughs> Bye, y'all. Later. See ya.